1: Hey guys, welcome to the Tapping Go. My name is Matt.
0: My name is Freddie. Each week we bring you your rugby fix with interviews with past and present rugby professionals. and We get their views on the latest sporting issues. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Tapping Go today. Today we're very fortunate to be joined by Rugby United New York's fullback, Troy Lockyer. Troy, how are you doing today?
1: Yeah, very good, thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: No, thanks so
0: much for joining us. So I think we we'll, might as well start by the beginning. So obviously you grew up in England, but was, went to school in England, and you are playing academy rugby while you go to school and you were playing for Watts, I think. Yeah. You played against the of Sam under who I think. Back then yeah, yeah. against him that did you know he was gonna be as
2: good as he was today? Um well it's funny because I like like uh distinctly remember like everyone talking about this guy before we played them I was like oh they have this they have this flanker who's like unbelievable. Um I remember getting off the bus and like we were warming up on the field beforehand and we saw him it was just like an absolute tank. Like I swear he was that like the size he is now when he was like 16 years old. Um and yeah, he was pretty good in that game, and I think you kind of just see the, some of those guys, and he just had so much talent, um, and there was kind of that hype around him. So, I mean, obviously, didn't know how good he was going to be, but definitely ha- had a feeling that he was going to go somewhere. Um, and yeah, he's a, he's doing all right now. So,
0: <laughs> obviously, you were well, you were in the academy, you're playing. How come you took the change attack and decided you wanted to go to America when you're doing so well within the England,
2: like the grassroots
0: and building up from there?
2: Um, I think just like. I was always like, I mean, I've loved my rugby and obviously still do, um, but I was always like very like conscious that, you know, rugby is not a long time thing. Um, and I love my rugby, but I also have a lot of other things that I enjoy in my life. Um, and I felt just America kind of offered a cool opportunity where I could go to university, get a degree, um, kind of experience a new part of the world, you know, be in California um, and then also play good rugby and then kind of see, see where it go from there. Um, so I kind of just felt like it had a lot more, you um, yeah, a lot more opportunities for me. Um, and I think I was at Wasps and I was enjoying my rugby, but I felt like it almost like I'd hit a bit of a wall, like with, with regards to enjoying it. And I didn't see myself actually staying at Wasps, like long-term. Um, so I felt like this going to America kind of, you know, just yeah, kind of offered a, yeah, a new opportunity for me and kind of got me really excited about it and got me, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of found that love for the game again.
1: Of course. And so you went to Cal Berkeley, which um, is known as arguably being the best rugby school in America. It's sort of, there's a stat where like in that 30-man squad in the 2011 Rugby World Cup, seven were the Cal alums. What what was the culture like there? So what made it so good?
2: Uh, I think it's just got like, it's, it's kind of just got such a long history there within the university. It was actually the first... Uh, sport on campus Um, so it's kind of got a really deep rooted um, kind of position in in America in American University which is kind of rare in a lot of a lot of American universities I don't think there's anywhere else in the country that has that kind of establishment there Um, and I think just the culture is awesome because you have people from all over the world like you know there's guys from England guys from New Zealand from Australia um, from Hong Kong like just all from all over the world and I think that everyone just comes together with kind of the similar kind of outlook on life, like they want to go and play good rugby, but also kind of, you know, embrace the American culture and the American university culture. So it kind of creates a really cool environment and it's one that I was so grateful to be part of.
0: And you spoke about previously about sort of being the English kids with rugby in America at Berkeley. Can you sort of go a bit further on that and sort of say like, were you like singled out for being from England, like the home of rugby, sort of, were you like the
2: big prospect? Uh, I, I mean, I don't think I was, like, considered, I mean, there's kind of, I mean, so in my year, it was, uh, there was a few English boys, it was the three of us, um, so I guess there's kind of, honestly, a bit of talk about the guys who come over from, like, the English playing nations, um, but I think they've had so many English people come from years before and stuff, there's not really any special hype, or there wasn't any special hype about me, but, um, it was just kind of, you know, it's just pretty interesting because I've never really been to America before. So it's quite coming into American culture as an English person is just quite an interesting thing. Um, I'm sure as you, as you probably understand, Matt, um, like they just have a bit of more of a fascination about you. So it's kind of more in like general culture that I found interesting being like an English person
1: and how, how did the sort of rugby change because obviously cal you play on an astroturf it's sunny all the time so i guess compared to england where you're playing on grass most time and it's wet weather did the style of rugby change a lot
2: yeah it's like completely different i mean i'm sure you guys know like in england like you literally just dream of like having a saturday the sunny weather like i always remember like the first month of season like in september it would always be really nice it'd be like where we would play the nicest rugby and then as it got into like October, November it would just be like, especially when you're playing fullback, it would just be so miserable because it's just muddy, rainy, and awful. Um, so yeah, going to California and you, you can just play such a nice brand of rugby because it's, as you said, nice every every day. So that was awesome. You know, like I love you know playing exciting brand of rugby. So yeah, that was awesome. Um, I think also playing sevens as well in that weather as well was just awesome because like whenever you're in England, you play in Roslyn Park or whatever, it tends to always be bad weather and you actually never really get to play that nice of the sevens game. Um, so yeah, just being able to play on a fast field, um, with good conditions just uh, helps, uh, helps people like me, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: Nothing quite like a nice wet Thursday afternoon on the field though. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, was there anything in particular that you noticed about when you went to Berkeley about like sort of the change, sort of looking away from rugby more as like in the college sort of way that you, your life sort of differed, does that
2: make sense? Um, yeah, I think just, like, I think I got a bit of appreciation for, like, kind of my, my, like, passions and stuff outside of rugby. Um, So I had, I had my first two years at university, I actually got there and had two, like, year-long injuries. So I basically didn't, I played, like, one match in two years. Um, So I kind of got out there with, obviously, all this excitement and all this kind of, like, you know, yeah, excitement to play and you know, just couldn't wait for the opportunity. And then I got there and then had these two injuries, which basically meant I didn't, didn't, was on the sideline for two years. Um, so it kind of made me really like focus on the things that I enjoyed outside of rugby because you never know what's around the corner. Um, so I think that like I was really thankful for. And I actually like, I always say this to people I think honestly, those injuries were awful, but they couldn't have happened in a better place. Um, and yeah so I think yeah just it's it's so important I think in life to find things outside of you know have many things that you're um you enjoy and you, you like doing because you never know what's around the corner so yeah that's probably one of the things I learned
1: from my Yeah life. but those, Sorry Matt you go Those injuries must have had like a large mental toll on you especially as like coming um with the not purpose but like the sort of idea of wanting to play rugby and having it as one of your primary goals how how did that sort of affect you sort of mentally yeah, I think, honestly, like when
2: I, when I think back of it and, you know, during that time, it was definitely probably more of a mental battle, really, than a physical battle. Like, you know, obviously there's the rehab and, you know, coming back physically, there's all that stuff, which is obviously really hard. But as you said, the mental toll is kind of the hardest part of it. And I think that's the thing that takes the longest to recover from as well, especially with like ACLs. Because it's also like the confidence of you being able to do, you know, move the way that you used to move and stuff like that. Um I think it's just, you've got to just, you just got to stay positive and you kind of just got to think about all the hard work that you put in and all the, all the rehab, all, all that stuff is, and all the work with the physios, all those things, you've just got to have confidence that when you do come back, you've done everything you can to get you in the right position. And to be honest, that's all you can really rely on. And then you just kind of go from there and just slowly build it up. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a mental battle and, um, I think honestly, I'm probably mentally stronger now because of it than I was before. So,
0: one thing we briefly mentioned earlier is sort of the difference between England and America. But the one thing I find crazy is the fact that if you're going for on a Saturday to go play, like you fly t- tens across yeah. the country like so far, was that something that took almost a bit of an adjustment in sort of your preparation for games and stuff? The fact that you yeah, do so much travel.
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you know, as you said, like in England, like our, our the worst away game would probably what like a three four hour drive. Um, But, like, you know, we played in New York or whatever from California, so it was a a six-hour flight. Um, And I think that's also something that was so cool about it. Like, it was so cool to being able to go to a new state, new city, um, and be able to see another part of the country. Um, But, yeah, no, it definitely affects your prep and stuff. And I think now, especially playing in this league, um, like, the travel is, is such a big part of actually being able to perform well because, you know, we go, we fly, say we're playing on a Saturday, we fly potentially six hours on a Friday, and then we finish the game and then we're on a flight again, six hours after. So it's, it's such a long time to be in the air and like, you know, to make sure you don't feel rough on the Saturday, make sure you recover well is such an important part of the game. So you can then perform the next week. Um, so that's definitely something that I'm, I think grateful for that I had at university cause I was able to kind of learn a bit about that, um, and experience it. Whereas I think a lot of guys maybe in England and stuff who haven't really experienced those long flights for travel will probably find it a bit harder. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a tough part, but also just, I think, an awesome part about playing in America.
1: Yeah, and it's incredible because I guess you don't really appreciate it unless you live in America, but each state is so different. As yeah. in sort of they're almost completely different countries like the East Coast and West Coast and never mind sort of everything in between, which is um, culturally fascinating. But I guess this is a good segue to move on to sort of your MLR career at the moment. So I guess when you first joined Cal, there was the so the MLR was not um, formed then. And when you moved to Cal, were, were there sort of? Did you want to play professionally in America after? Was that always something that you wanted to do or something you just picked up there?
2: Um, So it's been my dream my whole life to play professionally. Um, And I think my goal kind of always has been just to see how good I can be as a rugby player. Um, So when I got to America, as you said, there was no league. I mean, there was the initial like pro rugby league, which was like a bit of a shambles. Um, So I didn't really have any aspirations to play in that. But to be honest, I was just... Just gonna was kind of hoping just to do my time at Berkeley, kind of you know just play as well as I could, see and kind of see where those four years would end up. Um, and if I came out of that that's those four years, you know, thinking that I could pursue professional rugby, then for me that was me going back to England or wherever because that's where all I, all all I knew professional rugby wise. Um, but then when the MLR cropped up, like my I think it was my third year or second year it started, um, and then just kind of grew and grew year to year. Um, then when I graduated or was near graduation, was kind of thinking actually like, you know, I love living in America. I kind of want to live here long-term. Um, like this is a becoming a legitimate competition. Um, and I think it could be a really good place for me to develop as a rugby player and kind of be a young person in. Um, so yeah, kind of spoke to some teams and kind of, yes, yeah, so obviously managed to find, find my feet in New York.
0: So on that note, Sort of talks through the process from
2: what finishing
0: at Berkeley and into the MLR. Sort of yeah, how so did you I, um, about they approach They you, or did you have to go out and approach them and sort of try? Oh so yeah. To so
2: them. I um, I was actually in. So I graduated in like in like the summer, like May, May June time um, of 2019, and kind of the months previous to that I was talking to a few MLR teams, um, a few interests. Like no like official contracts offered or anything like that. Just kind of talk, seeing, seeing how I felt and things like that. Um, and then I graduated and then I played, uh, USA all Americans, which is like a basically USA under 23s. So I did that. We had a camp in, uh, Colorado, which is where the USA first team were as well. And they were doing their world cup prep. So we were training there and we had a training session with the USA team and their uh, backs coach Greg McWilliams was who was the head coach of New York as well. Um, he was, he led the session and he, he he spoke to me after the session. He was like, Oh, like, what are your, what are your plans? I was like, to be honest, I'm just talking to a few teams, but just kind of working out what I want to do, really. And he was like, well, just let me know, because, you know, we're potentially interested in you coming to New York. Um, So kind of months rolled by. I went back to England, still talking to teams, wasn't really sure where I was, what avenue I was going to go down. Um, And then I was playing for Richmond in London, kind of working out, maybe deciding if I could maybe see if I could sign for a champ team or a prime team in England. Um, And then New York messaged me, uh, or Greg messaged me, being like, Thoughts on you on you coming out to New York, um, and I was kind of sitting in uh, in London at my sister's house in Blackheath, and I was like, it was like cold and rainy. I was a bit like, you know what, like I feel like I'm if I don't like go for this, like I'm gonna regret it. Like the opportunity to go and play rugby in New York, like I've never been there, like it's surely just a num- like an unbelievable thing to do. So yeah, I sorted that out, um, signed with them, um, and then joined joined last year. Um, yeah absolutely loved it and then obviously re-signed so yeah back here at the moment obviously COVID would have
0: thrown a spanner in the works with last season being cancelled was there a bit of worries that perhaps they hadn't seen enough of you last season to get a re-signed that perhaps maybe that was just they've been ruined by
2: yeah COVID? yeah yeah for sure so we managed to get i think five games we had in the season and i i managed to play three um so i had obviously yeah. thankfully we were able to play at least a few games um and yeah, that was definitely a worry. Like I came straight back to England and I was back in England and I also needed a new visa. So it was like a kind of a couple things that was a bit like, oh God, like I hope, you know, I hope I've, I've shown enough. Um, and also like with regards to other teams, other teams hadn't really seen that much of me as well. So if New York weren't that interested, then I was just like, oh, I wonder if any other teams would be interested as well. But thankfully, I guess New York had seen enough. So um, were able to, we were able to sort it out. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a bit of a, Bit of a worry.
1: I guess one player you had the pleasure of playing with in New York was Bastro, which is such a global name in the world of rugby. What was he like, I guess, in training?
2: Um, Yeah, he was an absolute nuisance. Like, he was, like, never wanted to be in front of him, that's for sure. He was running down your channel, you'd uh, try and get away from him. Um, But no, he's just, yeah, as you said, like, he's, you know, obviously an unbelievable player. I think he's just, what I found with him is just how athletic he is as well. Like, I mean, like, for someone that size to move so well um and obviously be so skillful as well was something i'd never really seen before um but yeah like have a few memories of him uh, tackling tackling me in training and stuff like that which uh he basically just like swallow you off like it was, he was so strong it was ridiculous but no it was such a cool experience um shame we didn't get longer with him but um yeah no it was awesome to just kind of be able be around someone like that and learn from them and stuff what was it like yeah. the character off the pitch What's um, honestly, like I, I got on really well with him. Um, I think I think he's pretty. He's, he does, he's pretty French. I think in in a lot of ways, like um, like he, you know, it was pretty different, like uh, scenario for him to come into. Like you know, he's obviously come from Toulon, where everything kind of is, he's, he has everything he wants and whatever. Um, and you, you get treated like you know one of the best players in the world, which rightly so should be. And you come to the MLR, which is a brand new league. You know, a lot of the teams. You know, don't have a lot of funding, or you know, they you know, they've never like a lot of the owners may have never really owned a rugby team before, so they're not the kind of the organisational stuff is kind of complicated. Um, so I think he found that transition quite hard. Um, I didn't think things ran quite as smoothly as they would have done probably in <laughs> at Toulon. Um, but no, like nothing bad to say. I mean, yeah, he's a yeah really nice guy, and yeah, was, uh, it was was a pleasure to, to meet him and play with him.
1: And I guess we spoke about sort of his French career and Toulon and everything, did he sort of bring sort of a, a bag of experience with him that he could sort of share out with other people and sort of help other, the, especially the new clubs and the new players in particular?
2: Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, obviously he came came in we were well, initially as a centre and then they put him at, at number eight. Um, and I think he was kind of offered a lot of help and especially in the, for the backs and then as he was transitioning to the, to the back row, like I think obviously he was also offering some help or like also learning from other people because he was quite an experienced there. Um, but yeah, I think as, as he said, unfortunately, we just didn't really get that much time with him. So it was hard to really say that much because I mean, what, five games? Um, so, but um, yeah, no, it was cool. It was an awesome experience.
0: Obviously, as we done, Bastard as an example of this, but many of sort of looking at rugby in Americans, you see the, some of the players going out there, seeing it as sort of a home for the old generation. Where people are going to sort of, not their last hurrah, but their last ditch. What's your opinion? Do you think it's got the capacity to, as in your prime example, getting younger players over there who can really try and build their careers over there?
2: Yeah, for sure. I I think that's what um I think that's what we're gonna see. I think now you already see it like in, in the this year and the like last year, like a lot of especially from New Zealand and stuff. I think you get a lot of now getting a lot of guys who maybe aren't quite making super rugby. Um, who may be playing my to ten, like in half of the season or half of the year, and then they come to the M.L.R. and it's an opportunity for them to like really establish themselves and get good playing time. Um, and I think for me, like personally, like you know, here I'm able to get, you know, at the moment getting more game time than I than I would if I was, you know, playing back in England. Um, and that's only going to help your rugby. Um, so I think it's just a really good opportunity for yeah, for young players to come over, kind of build build a bit of a, a brand for themselves, like kind of make a name for themselves and. Honestly, I, I, I do really see this league becoming the league where, like, it's not the league that's just a stepping stone for other leagues. Like, I actually think that this is going to be a league where people would, will want to be, this is where they want to be, you know? Um, I think just like, what, in four years, five years if its, if it's growth, like, it's a joke how much better it's got. Um, so, and I think that's just the, the pull of coming and playing in America is just so strong. And I think people will just want to latch onto that as much as possible.
1: And what what's the pool? Is it sort of the, the country or is it sort of the opportunity or I think the country is a massive part. I mean, like, I mean, that's a big thing for
2: me as well. Like, I think a lot of the cities that you can play in the place you can play, like, I think are a lot more appealing. Um, you know, the chance to go and play in San Diego or L.A. or New York, like, there's, you know, that's just like massive world cities to be able to go and play rugby there is awesome and experience those places. So I think that's a massive thing. I think, as we were talking earlier, the opportunity to travel as well. Like, you know, in the season, you get to travel around the country. um, So you're able to see so much of America in the season. So that's probably a big pull. Um, And I think also just the American market. You know, like Americans, like they do do sport well. um, And they generate, you know, they're just so passionate about sport. And I think if they're able to kind of bring that kind of American um kind of new era of rugby it's the world which i think rugby needs at the moment um i think that'd be really cool and something that i think a lot of you, especially young people would want to come out and play
1: yeah and i guess like we're starting to see more and more sort of rugby being on the tv in america and sort of more on sort of social media and everything do you think that rugby has the ability in america to break in so you've got the big four sports in america of basketball ice hockey football and baseball do you think rugby has the potential to break into and perhaps displace one or become a big five or
2: Oh, I mean, I think
1: to be realistic, like to get into that kind of territory is probably like, if that's
2: going to happen, we'll be a long, long way off. Um, but I think the beauty of it is you look at the MLS, which is comparatively like nowhere near those, but that's still very big in kind of like in sport terms. Um, so I'd almost try and put it as, I think realistically, more try and get it to like an MLS kind of target. Um, so I don't think it's going to be. I, I wouldn't think it's going to be a sport that can knock those on because I think they're so they're so deep rooted into like American culture. Um, but I think if you can make it something that, as you said, million like you know at least millions and millions of people are watching because that's still obviously a massive, <laughs> massive fan base. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think that's definitely something that could happen, um, and I, I think it, it it will happen. So I think it's just a matter of time.
0: Looking at yours, just your, sort of your season this year. I think you guys are sitting pretty, pretty much mid-table. I think fifth and the ladder. Um, how's, how in your opinion, how's it gone? Has it gone planned? Has there been something which has been missing for the side, which way you're not right at the top?
2: Um, no, I think we've, like, I think we've, I think we've got a seriously like talented team, and I think um, we've got a load of potential, and I think we just haven't really, you know, I think we've only had probably a couple games where we've really been able to show what we think, you know, what we want, we what we think we can do on a field. Um, I think we've had a lot of games that we've underperformed. Um, so I think probably at the moment, we're probably a bit disappointed with our performances. Um, I think we've got a lot of areas where we can grow, um, and, you know, like we're, you know, we're here to, to win the championship, like we're playing for the championship. So, and we think we've got the, you know, we've got the team to do that. Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, there's a lot of things positive, but I think there's a lot of things we're working on. I think as the season goes on, I think you'll see probably a very different New York team as, as, uh, than you're seeing right now, um. It's just uh we had a few complications early on in the season like unfortunately i head coach had to go because his his wife was unwell um so we had think a th- few things that just probably didn't help us too much in the short preseason and stuff like that but obviously no excuses it's just uh yeah just i think um just just the way what well, things happen
1: yeah and how how would you explain the uh new york brand of rugby sort of what style of rugby are you guys trying to play like i think just honestly we want to Play a very
2: expansive, like really exciting brand of rugby. Um, I think all of us just really want, to, and I think especially now, like with the way rugby's is going in international level, like you know, there's so much talk about kind of it's not being very exciting, like you know, loads of kicking, like super defensive focused. Um, and I think, you know, obviously, we're not saying we're not defensive focused or whatever, but I think we want to play like a brand of style that we know that's entertaining, that people want to watch, and that also that we want to play. Um, and I think at the moment, as you probably—I don't know if you—how many games you guys have seen, but each game for us has probably been pretty different. Um, so I think we're probably still kind of discovering our, our identity. Um, but yeah, I think just the super exciting, but also like very brutal and quite like um, attritional game as well. Like I think kind of represent the New York City as well in that way. You know, it's pretty gritty and and, and, and as you've been, it's like a pretty dark place sometimes. So we want to kind of represent that in, in, in that way as well.
0: And looking forward to the future, obviously, finish the season, Is it? are you going to look to stay in the US now for, for the majority of your career or is it potentially the US as a springboard to move somewhere else?
2: Honestly, you haven't really got um, plans, like, either or. Um, I think at the moment I'm just really happy playing my rugby here. Um, and I think if that continues, then I'll stay. Or if I, you know, start thinking that maybe a potential opportunity to go back to England and, and have a go in the premiership, like, I think that obviously would also be awesome, I think. Yeah, just, uh, I just haven't really got a set a set plan or a set goal, kind of just, uh, as I said before, just trying to just see where, if I think it's the best place I can play and the best place for me to get better, then um, that's kind of the the decision I'm going to make. Um, but yeah, just really happy at the moment
1: where I am. And I guess one thing that you do in your spare time is magic, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. how, how did that sort of passion stem?
2: Um, so it stemmed when I was at school. So when I was at like, when I was like 15, 16, um, and it was i think it was like i think when i was really young my mum said that i was always really keen on magic like i always used to love like when magicians came to parties and stuff like i don't really remember but she said I always she was fascinated with it so i think i've always had this kind of like pull towards it and then i had a friend come to stay with me like, when i was like 15 16 and he'd learnt a trick off youtube and i was just like oh that's sick like wow, the house so cool you just learn on youtube um and i have quite an add- addictive personality so i always like I kind of like when I start something, I want to. I don't want to stop until I get pretty good at it. Um, so yeah, I started learning some tricks, would show to the family and stuff, and, and enjoyed it. And then I would just practice and practice and practice, and basically, yeah, years and years down the line, basically just started then becoming like a really big part of my life. It's kind of fallen off a bit, kind of recently. Um, and I think I want to, I, you know, it's been a thing that I really want to bring back, especially during COVID. Like I was working back on it. Um, it's obviously just quite hard now with. It's not really that many, I know events and stuff are opening back up, but um kind of want to get back into kind of the actually performing to people and stuff again, because that's, you know, that's the most enjoyable part of it. Um, but yeah, as we were just talking about earlier, just the kind of finding stuff that you enjoy outside of, you know, rugby is just really important, kind of keeps you sane. Um, and yeah, that's just, uh, yeah, just one of mine.
0: Yeah, it's so good for your mental health to so be able to sort of take that break away from the intensity of professional sport, actually, sort of in order to build a bubble. What sort of tricks What sort of
2: tricks did you do? Uh, so I do a lot of like card tricks. Um, so I'm like, I'm much, i much prefer like close magic, close up magic. So you know, like in small groups. So like if you there's a party, like going around small tables, what, what like that, that kind of vibe, right? less than kind of big stage magic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's yeah, like card tricks, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh,
1: yeah, it's pretty fun. And why? Why is that? Sorry, as opposed to the, uh, the larger. I, I don't. I think just it's kind of. I love the interaction with
2: people. Um, and I think like there's something about like when you're doing it right in front of someone's face, like their the reactions even better because they're like, you know, how have I not seen what you've just done? Whereas on the stage, I feel like there's more opportunity for you to hide things, and you know, you're away from the people, so you're not really connecting with them quite as much. Um, And I also just enjoyed the whole, I was like massively into like David Blaine and Dynamo and so I used to love watching them, like their street magic stuff. So um, yeah, I used to go around with my mates with a camera and just like go to randoms on the street in London and stuff. So that's quite funny.
1: Well, one question that we always ask all our guests is sort of your favourite moment in your career, in your rugby career, where that, and it can stem from the first time playing rugby to the most recent. So I guess what would yours be?
2: Um... I think my favorite like the happiest moment or like the kind of yeah the most real moment I've had was my last year at university our semi national national championship semi finals uh, which was against our, our rival St Mary's at St Mary's uh like absolutely like gorgeous day like absolutely rammed full of people and it's notorious because their fans are like like really really hate us so like just you know and it's like 80 85 80, 90% of their fans is their fans so like all against us we're down in the last minute i think we're down by like four points or whatever and then in the fight basically in the final play we managed to work from our 22 to their try line and score um, to go to the final of the national championships so yeah my family my mum my mum and my sister had come out to watch as well um all the way from england so yeah, that was a pretty um pretty special moment and probably, yeah, probably the one I remember. <laughs> oh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: Troy, thank you so much for coming on, uh, for giving up your afternoon. It's been really fun for us and we hope you've enjoyed it as well. And thank, yeah, thank you to you everyone much. else as well for tuning in and listening.
2: Yeah, lovely to meet you guys. Thank you so much for having me.
1: To the Tap and Go podcast. I'm John Hardy and I'm a Loose Heads Ambassador,
2: the mental health movement normalising the conversation in rugby. Head over to looseheads.co.uk and get 15% off at checkout now with code Tap and Go. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.